Now, would you please take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2? We're going to look at a few verses of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. Let's just pray. Lord, my heart's desire is that through the sharing of this message, that there would come kingdom impact. Holy Spirit, would you minister through me? We pray that you would also anoint our ears to hear, and that we would not only hear the Word of God, but that it would change our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm talking about a kingdom lifestyle in 2010. By the way, do you say 2010, or do you say 2010? I think it's actually 2010, but now we've got a World Cup that's conditioned us to 2010. But whatever toasts your chocolate, call it whatever you want to. A kingdom lifestyle in 2010. Now, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, which is where we see a kingdom lifestyle modeled by the New Testament church, the early church. So, have a look. Acts 2, verse 42, we're going to read to verse 47. Did you bring your Bible with you this morning? I'll take that as a yes. Now, it speaks about the early disciples. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is some, some, one of the verses of scriptures that some people are a bit nervous of. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. John, please don't preach on that. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, this passage of Scripture, I'm going to begin to speak on this week, and then next week we're going to continue it on. But over the December holiday, the Lord was beginning to drop some things and some ideas into my heart regarding the first couple of messages of the year. And I felt that the Lord clearly led me to speak on this passage of Scripture. And the title is, A Kingdom Lifestyle in 2010. And I believe that as we look at, this few ver- at these few verses of Scripture, that we can see a few things in here that I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help me bring across. And if we are to act on these things, our lives can really represent a kingdom culture, a kingdom lifestyle. I wonder as you look at these few verses of Scripture, can you see some things that, hey, this is kind of the way I am. This is kind of the way I live my life. Can you see some of that inside here? I trust you can. Maybe for others of us, you can see less 
of yourself and your lifestyle when you read that few ver- those few verses of Scripture. And I believe that this will be an encouragement to you to pursue a kingdom lifestyle. Now, verse 42 says, They continued steadfastly. Wave your hand at me if you have the NIV translation. Anybody got the NIV, the nice interesting version? Okay, a couple of you have got it. In about four other translations, um, including the NIV, it's translated as they devoted themselves. Take note of that. I want to emphasize this. They devoted themselves, which brings me to point number one. They devoted themselves. One of five aspects that I want to touch on this morning. They devoted themselves. The early church really seemed to set an amazing example of people that were passionate about God, that were sold out about God, that were devoted to the purposes of God. And if we look a little bit at the context of what was taking place there, remember that they had been through quite a traumatic time. Jesus had died. Then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared again, and he was raised from the dead, and he began to appear to them. But it wasn't for all that long. And then he said, now I'm going, and you need to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. They began to wait in Jerusalem. And it's interesting that it says at the beginning of uh, chapter 2 that they were in one accord in one place. It kind of sounds a little bit similar to they devoted themselves. It would seem as though many people had fallen away because Jesus wasn't there to be the center stage attraction. But they began, a group of people, stay behind and wait for the promise in Jerusalem And they began to devote themselves. And next thing, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Pentecost is what we call it, took place. And as a result of the powerful pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the church began to be birthed and the church began to grow and flourish. And here, directly after this, this is what we read about the culture of the day. This is what we see about them. And we see that this church was not serving God half-heartedly. They were not just carrying on, but they were devoting themselves. Now, it says they devoted themselves. This is very important. You see, because no one can force you to be devoted It's something that happens in your own heart. You have to choose to be devoted all by yourself. (laughs) You have to choose to be devoted. Why don't you point to yourself for a second and say, I have to choose to be devoted. And add to it, all by myself. Have you ever been in a situation where there's a family They've got kids maybe in high school, and the parents are trying to force the kids to be devoted to God. It just doesn't work. Oftentimes, that actually leads to rebellion, and I don't want to touch God. I don't want the things of God. Get away from me, church, and so on, because parents try to force it. But it's something that has to be done 
through the working of the Holy Spirit, but it is still a choice that you and I make. I remember hearing a pastor a couple of years ago preach on this, Pastor Paul Scanlon. And he was just saying he had to come to the realization that in his congregation, he can't force anybody. But his people have to decide to devote themselves. He can try to create an environment where the Holy Spirit is allowed to work. And generally, the people are more willing in the day of his power. But at the end of the day, it's still a choice. I'm asking you today, how are you doing in terms of your personal devotion to God? Can you say, I'm sold out to God? Can you say, I'm devoted to God? Can you say, I don't even need a New Year's resolution in terms of my commitment to God because I'm sold out, I'm on fire for God, I'm living according to purposes, and here we go, God, what's next? I want to encourage you regarding your personal level of devotion. 1 Chronicles 16 verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Fully committed equals devoted. The scripture verse tells me that God is actively looking for people that are devoted to Him. And when He finds people that are devoted to Him, He comes and brings His amazing strengthening power into their lives and causes them to be effective for His kingdom. God is looking for devoted hearts. Devotion is actually all about leadership, personal leadership. Because before you can lead others, before you can influence others, leadership is influence, before you can influence others, you've got to be looking at yourself. You've got to be leading yourself. I remember listening to Bill Hybels. He was speaking in the Johannesburg area once and uh, pastor of Willow Creek Church in Chicago, Illinois. And Bill Hybels is also quite an expert on leadership and great friends with John Maxwell. And he was just saying, guys, we all talk about leadership But he says, it all starts with yourself. Are you personally leading yourself? Have you got a growth plan in place? Or are you just kind of stuck where you are? Are you growing? Are you developing? Is there life within you as a person? Are you devoted to God? Because, as he put it, your passion is your responsibility. I want to say, your devotion is your responsibility. The early disciples, they were not running around like hooligans. They were living focused and devoted lives. Focused on God's Word. Focused on fellowship. Focused on the breaking of bread. Focused on prayer. They devoted themselves. Can we say those three words? They devoted themselves. It's part of a kingdom lifestyle. Can we say those three words again? They devoted themselves. I'm asking you, are you going to be devoted to God? Maybe it's time to up the bar on your high jump. (laughs) Maybe it's time to raise the bar and say, God, you know what? If I'm honest, I'm found wanting in this area. God, I want to live a kingdom lifestyle. I see how the early church did it, how they continued steadfastly how they devoted themselves. God help me, but I'm going to do this. Number two, devoted to fellowship. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. 
This is quite an interesting one. Fellowship is not really a commonly used word in South Africa. Or just generally, it's a bit of an older word, fellowship. Maybe you would know it through fellowship of the rings. Or something like that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Fellowship is an unusual word, but this was an integral part of the early church. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia speaks of sharing together, participation, friendship, and being in community. And I was thinking about it. You know what? Fellowship is actually special. It's a privilege. It's wonderful that we can enjoy fellowship. I, I feel privileged to be part of the family of God. I can remember my dad many times preaching on how wonderful it is to be part of the family of God and how privileged we are. And do you feel privileged to be a part of the fellowship of the family of God? How many of you are happy to be fellowshipping back here together again today? Yes, praise the Lord for what's taking place. Before the service, I was walking around and chatting to people. One of my favorite things is to walk around in the foyer before the service and chat to different people. I thoroughly enjoy that. Occasionally, I do get some organ recitals, I must tell you. And somebody says, oh, John, my liver, and oh, John, my spleen, and oh, my back, and oh, this, and all that. And by the end of it, you know exactly what's wrong with them, and you're like, okay, let me get a cup of coffee here. But on the whole, I thoroughly enjoy walking in the foyer, interacting with people, because it's about the body of Christ. It's about the family of God being together. One of the reasons why we emphasize come early and have a cup of coffee is because it's an opportunity to fellowship together. And by the way, one of the things you would have noticed that the bookshop has been cleared out uh, recently. And we thought about the fact of, should we have another bookshop? Should we start up our own bookshop and begin to function and have one of those? But we thought about it and realize that lately there are so many bookstores in nearby shopping centers, you know, the Gospel Directs and Coombs and different bookstores like that, whereas years ago you would have to come to a church to find any Christian resources. And, and also it's difficult to compete with the pricing that these guys get because they buy in bulk, like 40 stores buying in bulk. That, and at the end of the day we thought, you know what, maybe we're not really going to have a bookshop but we can use that area as a fellowship zone. Because after the services, it's often so jam-packed in there, and everybody's diving for donuts and coffee and CDs and all sorts of things, and that we thought, well, let's open up that bookstore, put in some little round tables and chairs, and encourage more fellowship into that area. Why are we doing this? Because part of a kingdom lifestyle is that we care. It's the good Greek word for drink coffee song. Part of the Christian lifestyle is that's the kind of thing we do. The church is meant to care. Can you say amen? <laughs> the church is meant to fellowship. Now, there is a trend in the church nowadays. The trend is that attendances peak in January. And then taper off after January and to, into the rest of the year. 
Now, I've thought about this a lot, and I believe that one of the reasons is because people include church attendance, possibly, some people. Maybe I'm not talking about you. But some people include church attendance, being involved in a local congregation, as part of a list of New Year's resolutions. You think I may be right. I think it's actually true. Listen to this statistic which I discovered. Less than 10% of people who make New Year's resolutions manage to keep them. In fact, by the end of January, nearly 50% have fallen back into old behavior patterns. And then I thought to myself, I asked myself this question, should kingdom involvement, being a part of a family like this, and by the way, this is not just a trend in our church, it's probably a less of a trend in our church, but it's a, a general trend in churches in the city. But I thought to myself, should being involved in Christian community be included on the same list as getting fit beating the bulge, being happy, all these typical New Year's resolutions because they say the, the most popular New, New Year's resolution is simply to lose weight. Some of the others are quitting smoking, being happier, losing weight, getting fit, etc. Now, I believe that an altogether higher priority should be placed on kingdom involvement. I believe that it shouldn't even be part of a New Year's resolutions list because it's altogether a higher priority. Being involved in God's kingdom and part of being involved in God's kingdom, the way He's designed it, is that we would be vitally connected into a local church congregation. Don't shout me down if I'm pretty preaching good. Does anybody say Amen. It says in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Part of seeking the kingdom of God is that we would devote ourselves to fellowship, that we would devote ourselves to being part of a family like this. And I want to challenge you. You see, I realize that there may well be some people here today that typically we would see in January, but we wouldn't maybe see you in the latter part of the year. I want to urge you and encourage you that you decide in your heart, that you purpose in your heart, that I'm going to be devoted to being in fellowship with the body of Christ. I challenge you. I'm putting out a challenge today. I challenge you to be devoted to being a part of the family of God. I really encourage you in that regard. Also, at the same time, I must say that many people need to be so greatly commended because you're such an example, because you settled this thing long ago in your hearts. You determined, you purposed in your heart. Where the church comes together, I'm going to be there. And you need to be commended. But also, to those of you that may be a battle a little bit in this area, we'd like to help you. We'd like to send you an SMS reminder. 
And so you can just go to the, to the desk afterwards and you can give your name in, you can give your cell phone number in, and you know what? Every Saturday we'll send you a little reminder say, hey, don't forget about church tomorrow morning and there's coffee for you. I'm serious. We'd love to do that. Send you a little reminder. So go to the information desk. I was thinking about a spiritual father of mine, Kevin Doran. Auntie Lucy's in the front here. Her late husband, Kevin, went to be with the Lord a, a couple of years ago. But he was a man that at some point in his life, I, I don't remember the full details, but at some point in his life, he determined that he will commit himself to gathering when the church gathers. And he even went so far as to say, even when he's sick, he'll kind of drag himself out of bed and he'll be there. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to that kind of extreme, to those lengths. But you know what? He purposed that in his heart and he stuck to it. God's hand was upon his life and through him, many people were touched and blessed, myself included. I think how at the end of his life, how he was ministering to many, many African pastors with a uh, Mamalodi Bible school and how he was inputting into the, the lives of these guys. And God was using him, but he made a decision long ago that he would be devoted to the things of God. He would be devoted to the purposes of God. Devotion to fellowship is part of a kingdom lifestyle. That's number two. Number three, devoted to God's Word. Now, I'm not going to say much about this because we touched on the importance of God's Word last Sunday, but it does say in verse 42 of Acts 2 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And as I looked into a little bit of research into the specific aspect of the apostles' doctrine, uh, it seemed as though the implication or the emphasis is not only that they knew the apostles' teachings, the apostles' doctrine, but the emphasis is that these guys were acting on it, that these guys were living according to the principles of the apostles' doctrine, much of which today is the Word of God. So when we read apostles' doctrine, for you and I, we can just think God's Word, being devoted to God's Word. But the early church was characterized not by a head knowledge of God, but by a heart operation in the principles of God, in the work of God. And so these things lived in their hearts. Now, on the 15th of December, I don't know if you know it, but how many of you know that Oral Roberts passed away? He went to be with the Lord on the 15th of December. What a wonderful man of God. He was also an example of a man that was devoted to God's Word. Many people remember him for healing ministry. And yes, that was the case. But he was also known as a man of the Word and the Word of faith, if I can put it that way as well. But recently, Oral Roberts was being interviewed. I believe it was on Benny Hinn's show. And the question was asked, Oral Roberts, what advice would you give to young pastors, to young preachers? You know what he said? He said, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts over and over and over again, because those are the only books that contain the actual words of Jesus. I think that's good advice. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Read them over and over and over again because you see the red letters of what Jesus actually spoke, of what He actually said. What was Oral Roberts saying? He was saying, be devoted to God's Word. And in particular, he was focusing on the Gospels and Acts. Number four of five, devoted to the breaking of bread. It says that they devoted themselves, in verse 42, to the breaking of bread. Now, at Choose Life, we have the breaking of bread or communion, the Lord's Supper. We have it every first Sunday of the month. And actually, in in a certain sense, I wish we could have the breaking of bread every Sunday, but sometimes it's not so easy to do that practically. But I also want to remind you that you are free to enjoy the breaking of bread, communion, wherever you are, whenever you are. When believers gather together, they have the right to break bread and share in communion together. Even when you're on your own. I want to encourage you, maybe sometimes when you're having a little bit of quiet time alone with the Lord, you can take communion and you can have a personal time of communion. And maybe something has been lost in our modern church culture in terms of the breaking of bread. But this was very, very important for the early church. It was a priority for them. They would set aside time regularly to break bread. By the way, Brother Jan, one of our overseen shepherds, during this week he went to go visit one of our elderly couples in the congregation. They live out on the plots near Rudaplot Dam. And, and he went to just go and bless them and serve them communion. They're quite old. They're battling to come to church and it's far and so on. And he went and blessed them and they had communion together. But he didn't even have to serve them. They can have communion by themselves. But yes, it's lovely to be served by one of, one of the, the people in the church and one of the leaders in the church. And interesting, they didn't have grape juice, so they had lemon juice, actual lemon juice for communion. Well, it doesn't matter what you drink, but as long as you are symbolizing the Lord's blood and the broken body of the Lord. By the way, sometimes in Scripture when it refers to the breaking of bread, if you look at some of the commentaries, it's almost not clear were they having a meal together or were they having communion as in bread and cup, the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus. But then I discovered one commentary which I thought was very interesting. It said, most of the time they would actually do both. So they would sit down for a meal together and they would take one of these flat breads they would break it and pray over it and pass it around and they would take the cup and they would pass it around and they would have our communion first and then they would go into the meal. So sometimes the breaking of bread is actually both. It's enjoying the Lord's Supper and going into a meal together. And I want to say life groups is an ideal opportunity for us to enjoy that kind of experience. So, devotion to breaking of bread is part of a kingdom lifestyle. Number five, and uh, I'm closing with this, devoted to prayer. Firstly, we said 
they devoted themselves, the whole aspect of devotion. But then it's the four things that they devoted themselves to. Number one, fellowship. Number two, God's Word. Number three, breaking of bread. And number four, prayer. The early church had just experienced Pentecost. And I believe that when the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out, there will always be evidence of prayer. If you study many of the revivals, oftentimes they say revivals are preceded by prayer. But you know what? Revivals are saturated in that time with prayer as well. And afterwards, there's a tremendous amount of prayer. And they had just experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But there was lots of prayer going on. It also seemed to be that this type of prayer was often public praying together. Now, when we come together here on a Sunday morning, many times that's what we do. Sometimes we pray for specific issues of the nation. Sometimes we pray in the Spirit. But I want to say that prayer and a prayer life is such a part of a kingdom culture that I want to challenge myself today to stir up the level of prayer that I operate in. I said to you last Sunday, I love praying in the Spirit. I even more so love singing in the Spirit This is part of that culture. And prayer is powerful. God says when the righteous begin to pray, things begin to happen. During this week, the uh, two of the, the overseeing shepherds and myself, we just joined hands in my office to pray for one of you. There was a particular member that really needed prayer. And so we joined hands and just began to pray. And within two or three minutes, man, I was sensing the power of God as we were just praying together there because that was, in a sense, even more powerful, the prayer of agreement. And just a reminder that we do pray for you. So devotion to prayer is part of a kingdom lifestyle. And what am I saying today? In a nutshell, it's this, that I believe that in 2010 that God is calling you and I to live a kingdom lifestyle greater than what we lived before. And you might be, you might have already been walking in, in a wonderful kingdom lifestyle, and I want to say to you, there's room to grow. There's always room to grow in God. The Apostle Paul still said that I may know Him after he knew so much and experienced so much of God. And I want to say to you and challenge you today, church, I'm challenging you. And saying this, that God is calling us to live a kingdom lifestyle. And for some of us, the particular challenge goes out to being a part of fellowship on a continued, regular, devoted way. In a steadfast kind of way. God is calling us to a kingdom lifestyle. This includes devotion, fellowship, God's word, breaking of bread and prayer. So I trust that you have been encouraged through the Word of God today. I trust that you've also been challenged. God is speaking to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just say that you are our God. You are awesome. You are wonderful. And we are looking forward to what you have in store for this year ahead. We thank you, God, that we can expect good things from you. I thank you, Lord, that you're causing us to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But also, Lord, we say that we submit our lives to the Word of God. 
We see this kingdom lifestyle modeled in these verses of Scripture. And we say that by your power and by your grace, we will be kingdom people. If you agree with me, would you say amen? Now, Lord, I speak your blessing over each one here. May they have a wonderful, Jesus-filled day, a wonderful kingdom day. And I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for His goodness. Hallelujah.